Welcome to the Spindrift Podcast with me, Aoife Glass. Each week, I'm joined by a different, brilliant person from the world of cycling. From pro riders to industry insiders and from community advocates to everyday adventurers. We'll be talking bikes, life, adventure and everything in between and all around. This episode, I have two fantastic guests, both of whom are amazing adventurers. Lee Craigie is a mountain bike racer turned adventurer. She was the 2013 British mountain bike champion and represented Team GB at World and European Champs. She holds the female record for the gruelling Highland Trail 550 and has ridden the Tour Divide amongst many other epic adventures. Jenny Graham holds the women's Guinness World Record for the fastest circumnavigation of the planet by bike, solo and unsupported. Together they lead the Adventure Syndicate, a collective of women cyclists who aim to inspire, enable and encourage. They share their motivations, adventure advice and give us the lowdown on Source to Sea, their 2021 Scottish-based adventure that you can get involved in. How would you describe the Adventure Syndicate for anyone who's not really encountered it before? So the Adventure Syndicate are a collective of mostly women who um, people that identify as women, and we do um, we go on adventures by by bike. But the focus isn't always on like how far we go and how fast we go, but it's more about what can be achieved if you set your sights just a little bit further than what you thought you could do. So our strapline is encouraging, inspiring and enabling because like just telling people this cool stuff that you do um, is never enough. You've got to um, you've got to encourage, you've got to show and care and listen to how other people adventure. And so it's very much, yes, telling our stories through film and podcast and, and the written word. But then it's also about running training camps and, and putting on events that actually physically give people that confidence and that sense of community um, and collaboration to go out there and, and have their own adventure. We're storytellers, first and foremost, um, but it's interesting what yeah. you say because it's storytellers, but you bring, how would you describe it? Would you say that you bring people into the story or you your story is a starting point for other people to have their own adventures and then tell their own stories? Mm, yeah, both of those things, I guess. That's where the inspiring and encouraging bit comes because we don't just want it to be our voices. We want it to be... Um, a lot of different diverse voices so in telling our story hopefully and telling it in a, an inclusive way then that will give other people the space to tell theirs and then we're always really up for promoting other people's about other people's stories and 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 sharing that inspiration uh, that way and that, Jenny what when did you get involved and why what was it that that motivated you to to become part of the adventure syndicate so I had been friends with Lee. Um, we we both lived in Highland at the time, and I had um, it, we shared the same friends and did some riding together. And um, I was really interested when Lee and Emily had set up the um, the adventure syndicate and would sort of get involved where I could. And um, they they rode the North Coast 500 in one go um, uh, and they wanted to get a team of a team of women round there and needed like lots of helpers and supporters to get that off the ground and to make that happen. So 
when there was opportunities like that, I would I would get involved when I could. And then I went away on an adventure syndicate training camp. So in 2017, that must have been, yes, that must have been 2016 that the North Coast 500 was. And then 2017, I went away on an adventure syndicate training camp in the January. So I was looking at doing my first race abroad and I wanted to go over to Arizona. Mm. And I'd been like building up loads of miles, but didn't really have a clue about training or had never had a training plan or anything like yeah. that. And um, so the Adventure Syndicate were offering, uh, and you'd got sponsorship, hadn't you, from Lee Day to offer places to folk that didn't have much cash. And I had just gone part-time at work so as I could ride my bike more. So I was getting, I was really gunning for something, but I didn't know what. And Lee had said, hey, you should apply for, um, you know, you should apply for one of these places. So um, I went off on the Adventure Syndicate training camp and met, um, a coach out there, John Hampshire, who'd been working with Lee and Emily and offered uh, five of us ongoing coaching once we left. Yeah. So it was, um, it was, he was, he wanted to work with the Adventure Syndicate and just he, I think he sort of picked women that he could see were gunning for something. They might not have known what, but they uh, they had this drive, but not necessarily money that, that goes along beside having having a coach. And so that for me was a real turning point. You know, I felt like I often describe it as in it being my Willy Wonka moment where <laughs> I felt like I'd just been given this golden ticket. Like I burst out crying when I read the email. I couldn't believe <laughs> that this was, this was, it just like all happened at the right time, you know, Mentally, I was there. My life had, you know, lots of things were happening in my life, and I was sort of created this this space. That I was able to go and explore this part of myself. Like I've been a mum since I was eighteen, so this was like the first time in my adult life that I had the freedom to really explore what I might be capable of. Because now, you know, my son was um, son was older, so yeah, it was just amazing, <laughs> like amazing the way the stars aligned for an all it all. Um, like that camp came along, Lee and Emily setting up the Adventure Syndicate, me yeah. being that place. And um, yeah, so I, when John had sent that email, Mm-hmm. I had, um, I had it really, it really got to me, and I went off and did my race in Arizona, and you know it's like any time that you race and. And, you know, it's like the aftermath of a big adventure and you're yeah. like lying, you're too exhausted to even like make it to the fridge to get something to eat. But all you're thinking about is like, wow, like what's next? That was amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I'd never been to the States before. There was lots of firsts going on there for me. And so I was like, ah, this is the fittest I'm ever going to be if I can do this without a coach like what can I do with a coach so I started very purposefully looking for the biggest adventure in my life and that ended up being the round the world's record so um, um, I'd started looking at that and being like actually you know I think I'm I'm going to go for that and so this is this a really long-winded way of telling you (laughs) so anyway that was in the May I'd started sort of thinking like that April or May and then over the summer that sort of 
developed definitely within my, myself that I was like, yep, this is actually something I want to I want to do and and take forward. And then in the November of that year, we were down at Kendall, Kendall Mountain Film Festival, and I think Lee could see that I wasn't going to let this drop. <laughs> she was used to me having quite big chat. I think is is fair to say as well. She obviously saw that I wasn't going to let this one go and um, asked me. Um, asked me if I wanted the Adventure Syndicate support and would I come and, you know, be part of the team and yeah. and sort of what that all that entails. So that's when I sort of got involved officially was that November. Um, and then I set off around the world the following year, so in the following um, June. And then when I came back, things had changed within the structure and there was, a, there was you know, Lee was looking for somebody to come along and run it alongside her. Mm. And so I, very exhausted and a little bit shell-shocked from being around the world, um, said that that sounded great. <laughs> I feel like to sort of Lee jump on you then, you're too tired to say no at that point. It's like, oh yeah, I'll do that totally. You've got to choose your choose your moments. <laughs> yeah, it's like getting someone who just woken up <laughs> just to sign up for something. I was like, hey, sure. <laughs> like when you when laughing was a wee boy, Mum gonna have a biscuit when you've just woken up. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's quite an, it's lovely looking at that progression. Actually, Do you know, mm. like when I um, when I look when when I look back at it, I was you know I was really. Yeah, it's been quite it's been quite a journey with the Adventure Syndicate to now be sitting here and like um, directing it and steering it with Lee. It's yeah. So sort of going from being a participant to sort of one of the people that's helping like sort of form it, shape it, and drive it forward. Yeah, and maybe a bit more than that. Maybe a bit more than you know. I didn't just see them advertised and think, oh, that looks good. I'm going to go along in that. Yeah. Sort of, I guess. I guess watching Lee driving it forward as an idea and um, knowing her around that time and then uh, and like getting involved you know um, like with the North Coast 500 and being being sort of in about it and then I guess the, then the training camp and just that that mm. um but I would have I would have never applied for that. I was going I had three hundred quid. I don't know if you remember that. And I actually only had it because my son had asked me to keep it safe for him so he didn't spend it over Christmas. Oh, and I was no. like, definitely keep that safe for you. <laughs> Which I did. I kept it so safe for him. I gave it to him back when he needed it. Um, but yes, yeah, so I had that money and I was just gonna go off and sleep in a tent and ride in Spain. And Lee was like, You should put that. 300 pounds towards his camp and camp we just bumped into each other in a corridor in a place that I used to work as well and See, I attacked her it was meant to and be I was like I ride bikes too <laughs> I suppose um with Jenny and I then steering mm. the adventure syndicate became a bit of a different beast yeah um because I guess um Emily and I were were quite focused on um writing writing things and mm. and you know, and promoting things and encouraging people on, on social media and it being about the written word. But with Jen, we come from an outdoor education background. Yeah. Um, we both work with young people. We're both youth workers. And so um, that's when the teenage girls bikepacking element came into the Adventure Syndicate. And that really um, flipped it on its head, I, I guess. It just sort of turned everything around. And suddenly we were pulling in 
um, we're pulling in what we're passionate about in our professional sense to what we're passionate about personally. And these two things were coming together. And yeah. my main stuff was happening with, with teenage girls who wouldn't have otherwise been given the chance to, you know, not just adventure, but just be physical. Yeah. And I think there's so many girls that are turned off board because they think, well, it's not for me. Being physical is not for me. But then paint it in a, or tilt it slightly and give them the opportunity to just hang out with their mates on bikes and go for an adventure and sleep outside and suddenly that's a cool thing um, so we were really proud of that phase I feel really proud of that phase of the adventure syndicate and it's something that is woven through it now that will never go away you, you, so you mentioned the vision has changed a lot and is that is that just as other things have come up as you've sort of like as you've learned about yourself and what's possible and what you can do and what support you've had or you know the, the, has that changed or has it been things like recognising like needs in other places like you know saying oh well actually we've got this opportunity to bring in our experience working with young people and actually what we do could have a really beneficial effect on um on the lives of these of these young girls you know do you feel like you've then got maybe a bit of a responsibility to talk about that because that also sort of seems to feed into there's there's a strong environmental angle that goes through a lot of your projects as well. Tradi you know, a lot of traditional adventures are all like, oh, I conquered the mountain and look at me and I'm at the top of the hill and I'm wonderful and here's my shiny high-tech carbon bike and it's all about the group set, um, rather than necessarily sort of looking out and around at the environment you're riding in, the people you can affect and, and reaching beyond the individual taking part in the adventure to the people beyond that. <laughs> no, I, lo I love questions like that. It gets me thinking. Um, I think the what drives the adventure syndicate are the characters that get involved. Yeah. And so, for example, when Emily, Emily and I were, were were doing this, we we set it up because we were pissed off at the bike industry for not showing a diverse range of faces and voices and um, and and it being very much about women being sort of second class citizens and just that there were lots of young people that were thinking well bike riding is not for me because I can't see anybody that looks like me in this world so that was our drive then and that still that remains a drive but then Jen comes on board and it's and it's and it's you know becomes something else um, around the teenage girls bikepacking stuff and the outdoor stuff and Jen's got real sort of hill experience so then we can go further all together and then um, Catherine Dunn comes on board, um, who's this incredible uh, filmmaker um, from the University of Edinburgh, and she's really into and passionate about sustainability. Um, and so we start thinking in those terms, and actually are we fulfilling our responsibilities in an organisation by not tackling the fact that the adventurous communities are, are, are you know, maybe not... Um, maybe not the best always at protecting our environment by taking by taking flights to places to in, instead of just riding from our doorsteps and do we need to be thinking about that um, and can we actually be encouraging people to fly across to Spain to be part of a training camp and so it's all about these evolving it's just about staying open and curious and if you are then new amazing people come in and and open your mind to new stuff and then the organization continues to evolve um, so who knows who's going to come on board next and tweak our thinking? But already Anila McKenna um, yeah. comes aboard and, and tweaks our thinking around: Are you doing your bit actually to represent Black and ethnic minority groups? Um, and then we get challenged by um, non-binary non um, communities, and and we're open to all of that because I think you just have to be. It's really interesting. I like that. It's just not the Adventure Syndicate. It sounds like it's more of a, a group of people and and a, a feeling, a concept, rather than a, a statement 
and then I, you know, a written identity. It's it's it it changes. It evolves. It makes it very hard to explain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I suppose the core of what we do doesn't change, but how we do it. Yeah. And maybe what what our messages are as well. That's yeah. like always getting built on, isn't it? The Adventure Syndicate itself has has done some incredible challenges how do you, do you do you call them challenges or do you call them adventures or how do you describe the things that you do because it's sort of there's the main activity and then there's the there's a whole range of stuff that goes on around that what what do you, what do you refer to it do you call it an adventure personally i i think about them i think about everything that i do that's you know sort of i pushing boundaries or my own expectations or um then I, I class them all as adventures like I find it very adventurous and every, everything that I've been involved in with the adventure syndicate and whether that's our own adventures or whether that's working in, within schools mm. and and um, sort of facilitating that adventure and allowing that space for this adventure to you know to happen and for young people to find it or whether it's a training camp where we're taking you know a bunch of women off on their first bike packing experience and sometimes not even going with them just in them head off into the hills <laughs> then that for me is is all about sort of nurturing that adventurous experience as opposed to a challenge yeah. I mean life is full of challenges without a doubt but I, I don't look at these things as challenges because that that seems to be something like a challenge you can fail or succeed a challenge you can you know you're either going to hit you're going to hit it you're going to get to the top and that's going to be you like you can tick your challenge off yeah. whereas an adventure you might never get to the top you might never you know get to that final goal but it won't matter because that whole journey yeah. you've been learning and, and and having these experiences and hopefully having fun so yeah so adventure for me yeah, that's nicely put, actually. Um, I suppose, and, and races, I mean, we all get involved in races, Jen and I get involved in races like the best of them and we love them, but that's not to say that that, is, that underpins what the Adventure Syndicate is. That's just our way of expressing ourselves in an adventure. And again, I suppose how you approach that race is, is different for individuals um, and but the real adventure is what goes on inside your head while you're doing those races so again um, and and yeah they're challenging but but I, I, I really like the way Jenny described how if you go if you if you're racing to win something or if you're challenging yourself to see if it's possible then you omit all of that possible learning and growth and and new things that could open up and new directions and um so I think I think steering clear of of this sort of pass fail succeed fail win lose and it just be much more about just just always um nudging what it is that you're comfortable in because yeah. I think I think unless you push yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone whether that's for, for me, much of the time, that's sitting still, you know, mm. sitting still with my own thoughts for 15 minutes is much more of a challenge than going out on a four-hour uh, bike ride. Um, so it's all it's yeah. all a big adventure, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting um, what you've both said about adventure there because I've just realised that I think one of the fears that I have about doing lots of stuff is that fear of failure, like the fear of 
what if I don't make it or what if I don't get very far? I think that's the thing with talking about it as a challenge. It's like as if if you haven't got there, then everything was a complete waste of time and, you know, you've you've kind of like, you shouldn't have bothered. And that, and that goes right back to the very core of the reason that we set the Adventure Syndicate up. Because I think we do live in a society where it is pass, fail, good, bad, right, wrong. Mm. This is what you look like if you are a cyclist. Yeah. Um, this is what you must wear and this is what you must do to race bikes. And this idea that we have this, we have this really set idea about these things just does not help anybody to do that nudging thing just do that stepping out of their comfort zone to get better um, uh, or feel that they're just doing something different no one's going to be encouraged to step out of their comfort zone if they don't feel welcome to if it's not okay to make a mistake and and to learn like we're all learning stuff um, so how do we then reframe yeah. our everyday challenges, our, our jobs where we feel that we've, we've failed at it, that hill that we thought, well, I've set my expectation to get to the top and now I have failed. Yeah. You know, it's all about reframing a challenge, isn't it? So if there's one thing that we can do, it's reframing, help people to reframe the sense of challenge so that everyone feels comfortable to push or to nudge themselves out of the comfort zone. With the camps and um, with your work with young girls, is that something that you've seen? Because people talk a lot about, and, and I, I think I've experienced myself, like the the lessons you learn or the things you learn about yourself when you're riding, when you when you sort of, I don't know, when you're out on the trail and there's something difficult and you're like, third time you roll up to it and you do it and you're like, I never thought I'd do this and now I've done it and I feel amazing, I could do anything. Or um, or you sort of like, you realise that, you know, actually riding in the rain isn't too bad after all or, or you know, things like that they've made me stronger as a person in other contexts because I can like go back and think well no you've done this so you know you're clearly capable of doing stuff you know you're stronger than than you think you are have you seen that happen with the with the people that you've worked with I mean well you know before the adventure syndicate like we said we both got a background in youth work and um, we both worked for young people that were out of mainstream education and really struggling to like fit into what society says schooling should be and what learning is and what succeeding is and both both on the same projects and in different ones have worked in you know where they're where we're using the outdoors to allow these people these young people to actually explore what like what they are like what can they do like yeah. where you know where are they shining and what do they enjoy and what can they get through and then how do they transfer that into you know into their everyday lives where they're just getting pummeled with all the things that they can't do and all the failures that they're having mm. and sort of that process is fascinating and you know I first found out about it in youth work but actually now you know like 15 years on I, I look at it across the board I think we've yeah. all got so much to so much to take from like from that resilience of being out like from being outside and, and facing that sort of some of the discomforts or some of the successes as well it doesn't all have to be you know hardships although, although it has to be said they're the ones that stay with you for quite a long time don't worry about <laughs> And um, yeah, just that special moment, you know, when you've just caught, like you've just turned the corner and you've just caught the sun going down or, you know, a, a really lovely view that just stays with you and gives you strength. I think it's yeah, nicely put. I think, um, I think when I think about the, like the, the experiences that, um, that I've been through that have, 
that have taught me the the most it has been um it has been that that resilience like growing like scar scar tissue isn't it you 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 just you you'd work something like any muscle and yeah. um, you work the resilience so that it just tears a little bit but then it grows back a bit stronger and and when you've ridden mm-hmm. through the night like the first time you ride through the night for example and that's huge um and you watch the sun coming up and you're like what I can't believe that I'm able to my body can do that and yeah. and I'm you know if, if I can do that then what else can I do yeah um, it's such a liberating feeling to it's to have- like a superpower isn't it it's like you've just found a new superpower <laughs> Totally. And you, yeah. And you've been told your whole, especially coming from an elite athlete's background, you've been told, oh, you must sleep nine hours a night and you must eat the right <laughs> things and, and you must, you know, recover. You have to sit on the sofa with your legs up after you've done a two hour training session. All that's out the window. And you're just like groveling about in the bottom of your feed bag eating bits of fluff and riding through the night and sleeping in ditches. It's amazing what, what you're capable of doing. And what makes you feel good, having survived it. <laughs> so. I, I still haven't ridden through the night. That is on my list for, I think, this year, hopefully, actually. I need to get some challenges together, and I think I should try that. I'm terrified of it. I I completely agree with Lee. Like, that was a major turning point. Riding through the night, from like, with a group of people, first yeah. of all, you know, like 24-hour races, but then actually being out and riding on your own, that mm. is a different mm. ballgame, and, like, actually making yourself do that and all the benefits from it but then there's that book on sleep isn't there (laughs) and how horrendous like this like missing one night sleep is for you and so now I'm really wary when I'm telling young people that I work (laughs) amazing it is like I feel like things are really nice until about 2 a.m then you must go to sleep You know, it's even riding into the dark, though. So you don't mm. need to ride all night, do you? It's like staying out when every single bit of your body is screaming at you to go home. The sun yeah. is going down. We've got this natural instinct that is dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. I must go home. Um, and, you know, I have like, ridden through so many nights, like so, so many nights and been out. But I still can feel that pool of being like oh like safety like that safety yeah. pool as the sun's going down and then you work through your checklist you're like I'm sorted you know I can look after myself out here but I think that is that's a really powerful thing if you can do that would you say it's type two fun or type one fun or does it depend on the situation uh, yeah I think it depends on your mindset if you if you think something's going to be suffering then it'll be then it'll suffer but it's only sore if you resist it <laughs> so if you're going to it then probably don't do it but if you're going to open yourself up to it then go and have a ball yeah and don't you think it changes Lee like there's things that I can definitely look back and starting out that were definitely tight too fun for me because you know it just blew my mind it pushed me so far it was like completely out of my comfort zone Mm. but now I just look at that stuff and I'm like no that's fun that is just fun (laughs) so I don't know if I'm broken or actually (laughs) do you like the more that you do like you know your um your sort of parameters change Mm. and like your type one fun becomes like a bigger block of things that you can do just for fun and the type two stuff almost gets 
Mm. Yeah, you have to reach further to find that to find yeah. that type too, or just come to the north of Scotland and <laughs> try and be out all winter. That's quite type two sometimes. But it's incredible how how, how over not very long long a period that yeah. can change. That mindset can change, can't it? Yeah. Over one experience, can't it? What was type two is suddenly like, oh, that's now my type. That's in type one now. I'm gonna have to start thinking about types three and four. <laughs> <laughs> I heard a really explanation about type one and type two which I love I'd never heard it before I heard it over summer and it was the type one fan is sitting in the pub with your mates having a beer type two fan is the stories that you're telling your mates when you're sat in the pub having a beer that is brilliant (laughs) I'm totally stealing that (laughs) I really like that explanation so true yeah that's good Enjoying the Spindrift podcast? If you like what you're listening to and want to show your support, then pop over to Patreon. You can help us share more amazing stories and become part of the Spindrift community. And now, back to the podcast. We, we have to talk about, I really want to talk about, um, <laughs> let's talk about Source to Sea. Can I just tell you how beautiful my bike looks? Let, let's talk about the bikes. What, you've got Trek Super Calibers? Oh, we do. We do. We yeah. are so excited to be riding them this year. Like, beautiful bikes. I think for, for me personally, so yeah. Lee is a much, much, much better mountain biker than I am. Way more... <laughs> Uh, technically able um, and so and especially like after spending the last three years or something on the road I've just noticed my skill set going down 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 um, but for so for me I always find like a full big bouncy bike it's t- it's too much like I like the sort of light feeling of um, just having a front front suspension um, yeah. and a hardtail but like the supercar is like the best of both worlds, isn't it? You've got this like gorgeous cross country bike, um, but you've got the extra bounce at the back that's that's really gonna um, really gonna help my confidence for sure. But equally, you're not carrying about like a massive or like you know a sort of chunky bike that I definitely don't make the use of for my own riding. So yeah, for me, that's I, I think I'm gonna get on really well with it because I think it'll suit it'll suit my riding. Lee, have you been out on on it much yet? Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I have. I've been out on it twice, and both times I was worried about getting it muddy. (laughs) I suspect that's a losing battle. (laughs) I'll get over it. But you know, when you've got a new bike and it's just so lovely to look at, I I took it out of the box and I put it in the halls. I can't take that inside. It's just too lovely looking. It's so pretty, isn't it? It just looks good. I did so. I took I took it um I took it out and it really really took me back to sort of racing days. I don't really ride bikes like that in, anymore. You know, those really sort of fast light cross country bikes. Although that's what I used to race. Yeah. Um, and I just I'd forgotten just how um how reactive it is. Just how when you you just put put the power down and you you go. It's yeah. just incredible. Um, and I really, I think what it's just going to be perfect for source to see where you're you're going to be sort of long days um, on the bike, but um, so you, but it's not going to be particularly technical terrain. So you just need 
you just need the buzz to be taken out of the trail and then yeah. you can ride forever. So you've got you've got a little bit of the buzz being taken out front and rear. Um, and it just means that your body can can go for go for longer without it getting all beaten up, which is going to be perfect for me because I'm getting on and I can't afford my body to be beaten up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, t- uh, describe for, for us then what Source to Sea is. It's definitely an adventure. <laughs> this is adventure, isn't it? In its purest form almost. I mean, we're biased. Obviously, Obviously. I still think you're or experts. I would go with experts on the subject. <laughs> Biased or completely on point, one of the two, but something in between. Yeah, it's um, it's the source to see itself. The actual adventure is finding the source of four iconic rivers across Scotland. So when we mean the source, when we say the source, we mean actually hiking up the side of the hill and finding the very paddle that this beautiful, big, iconic Scottish river starts in, which is, it has been quite funny so far because we get really into it. We get really into it, arguing over paddles. (laughs) definitely this one it's definitely look at the flow look at the flow and yeah so we so we search we search out the source and then we travel down the river using bikes and pack rafts so inflatable rafts that that go on the front of our bikes and we travel down it for the for the full week and then it comes out to the sea so and into the you know into the city and, and out into the sea but, so that's the actual adventure of it. It's like using our local um, water sources and seeing, like getting on and off the water and sort of seeing, um, yeah, just seeing it from a different way, I guess, seeing our local local areas from, from, a, from a different angle. And what was really appealing about it, I think, is the fact that it comes into these big cities, like the, mm-hmm. the river, you know, this tiny little puddle actually flows out to the sea. And... Um, th- like there's so many people living in these cities then just think of the adventures that they could be having if yeah. they followed this river and going in the other way or whatever water source that they've got yeah. and yeah that was that was quite appealing wasn't it but it's actually part of the bigger thing that we're running so source to see is is what we're using to have the adventures but it's part of match the miles so match the miles has been running for a few years now with the adventure syndicate and it's like our big kind of annual way to get um, more people riding every day um, instead of driving cars essentially so we're funded by pass for all to put on these challenges where um jenny and i usually ride a long distance um and our little dot gets you can track our little dot online in um, much in the same way as you would if we were in a in a race um, and people go out and they do their own journeys by bike or, or by foot whatever whatever they, they want um, and they they rack up they accumulate miles to match us on our journey so our focus is really on schools so we um, we really focus in hard on schools and we encourage pupils in schools to instead of being driven to school why not ride or walk or run to school and then all of you collate those miles together and see how far you can go maybe you might even be able to keep up with Lee and Jenny on their adventure Actually, what's happened in the past is even when we ran a match miles trip that went from Bristol to um, the Spanish Pyrenees, we were beaten by by school. Yeah, got so into it, and they were like doing laps, school grounds, and like we must beat Jenny and Lee to the Pyrenees. Um, So that and that's brilliant. Like we'd love to be beaten 
um, by, by schools if it means that all of these little souls are having adventures on their way to school. We're going to have four trips. Our four source to seas are all going to be separate match the miles challenges and anybody can get involved. Um, anyone can, can match our miles as we journey down these, these rivers. Are you going to be running sort of other other things alongside that? So, I mean, you, you've got Match the Miles, you, you'll be doing the adventure, so probably not during the adventure, because I'm guessing you're going to be a little bit busy. But what other things will you will you have, you know, sort of coming from it? Anything you can imagine, <laughs> we are doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, um, we I don't feel like we've left a, to- a stone unturned on the possibilities of what we can um, what we can create from this, which is amazing. So, because we're working with so many incredible creative people in our lives, it's just great that we have got to the point that we can we're going to collect video footage. Mm-hmm. So produce lovely storytelling um, films, short films of each river, which will also, it won't just have our voices in it, but we hope that it'll have voices of the young people um, that are actually out matching our miles. And it's it's all back to that sort of um, allowing people to create their own stories Mm -hmm. and to, you know, on their own adventure. And yes, ours is the spark possibly, but every single person that's out there is going to be having their own adventure through that week and their own story to tell from it. So we'd love it to be a sort of collaboration for these films to be a collaboration of that with with the source to see as the backbone. We're also working with the wonderful Julie Fowlis, singer-songwriter musician just incredibly talented and and along with a production company who we're hoping to um, get we're hoping to get local radio stations on board with sharing sharing stories so community radio stations throughout Scotland for each river that we're we're going on and they will become a podcast where Julie is going to create music to go alongside um, to go alongside the adventures that we're having and tell the story of the people who have lived on the river and or the story of the river both past and present you know there's so many so yeah, just so many words in there, isn't there? And so many tales to be told of times gone by. So and there's not a better person on this planet to <laughs> to to create that and sing that. That'll that'll just be incredible. And um, and we've also got a photographer along with us, James Robertson, um, who will be creating lots of content, both for social media yeah. side of things for um. Um, to you know, help help communities and schools get on board, but also with the possibility of looking at a guidebook in the oh, in, wow. in the following years, yeah. these sorts of rivers. Plus, more Lee, there's more that I've not mentioned, <laughs> isn't there? So much more. Well, each river is going to have a different theme to it, but our overarching theme um, is definitely along the lines of sustainable adventuring. Mm. Um, so going to be encouraging people to instead of flying across the other side of the world why not just find a water source and follow it for a bit (laughs) you know this you've got adventure right on your doorstep and so and this is the reason that we wanted to partner with trek on on this because of their incredible project um trash free trails which i think really brings brings these ideas of guardianship and ownership and care of our local environments and the places that we adventure real to to the fore. Mm. So we're going to be really sharing the Trash Free Trails message with the schools um, that we're working with 
and and hopefully they'll tell some stories about how they've looked after or discovered new trails and cleaned up their trails and really caring about um, spreading the word on on their trails. So we'll definitely be taking some detours to to visit um to visit those pupils in those schools as we journey to the sea. That sounds amazing. Like the whole thing just sounds right up my street. I'm totally going to be following this very very closely. Get involved. Get yeah. Involved. And like, the Julie Fowlis link is really cool because I only discovered her fairly recently. Um, my family are all musicians, more or less. Not all of them, but like a lot of them. Um, my, con- mm. my cousin Connell um, was asking him if he had any recommendations and he was like, oh, you've got to check out this Julie Fowlis. And I was like, oh, she's amazing. Okay. Julie gets involved. Julie absolutely loves Match the Miles and she's got young kids yeah. and she gets her workplace. Like in the past, she's just reached out to us, hasn't she, Lee? Like there's always like, you know, a good sort of bunch of folk that are that are out and about in the communities that are yeah. shouting so loud, like that a hundred percent get this and get behind it and encourage so many other people yeah. to get involved with it. And Julie has always been one of those people. She'll reach out to us through the week, she'll get her workplace involved kids are all involved we get you know videos and um photos and she's just yeah just really into it so it's so having her actually work alongside us mm. you know and partner with us it feels yeah it feels really special doesn't it yeah it's really cool to be working with her on this especially around that like, storytelling mm. songwriting it's old as the hills it's yeah. such a powerful way to communicate things um, so uh, yeah, I think I think using her using folklore, I suppose, to to encourage more people, whatever is going to encourage people to 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 journey, to travel, adventure locally is, is a good thing. We should also say something about the app actually. Yeah. Um, so anyone that wants to get involved, just go to the app store, um, and you can download the Adventure Syndicate app, and all, and everything that you need to know about Source C is on the website too. Um, and I'll, so, I'll share all the details and, and pop everything up all over the place, all the links, all, all of that jazz. Um, what are the four rivers and how did you decide on them? So! <laughs> was there a fight? Was there a bit of an argument over which no. river? Okay. We... So when we decided to do this, Lee went off and plotted the rivers and we were going to do like six or seven weren't we we're going to do like all the major ones basically and then um and then yeah just as these things develop then then we went down to four because we're looking at seasons yeah and now actually we're we're first one is going to be a virtual so uh-huh. last year we we did the spay as a pilot yeah. and and we were due to do our first match the miles in march and that's what uh-huh. like that's what we're all geared up to do and what funding's there to do and we're just you know can't be sure that that's going to be the responsible thing to do so yeah. we're going to do the spay virtually in March and then all the other ones I'm going to say with great confidence that we're going to be able to do in person as a team (laughs) travel travel across Scotland and so next so in June we do the tea yeah the tea river the D in June oh the D the D the D and then we do the tea in September and then in November we do the Clyde which is yeah, which is our biggie, isn't it? Yeah. So the so the D goes from the very source in the Cairngorms to Aberdeen. Yeah. And the T goes from the other side of Perthshire to Dundee. Yeah. And the Clyde 
this random little point south near the motorway that comes out into Glasgow, but we've timed it in such a way that it comes out into Glasgow as COP26, the, the global climate change event is happening. Yeah. And so this is going to be all singing, all dancing. Yeah, focus on that one. My geography is rubbish. So is there an official point at which a river source happens? Because presumably like, you've got a... There's a yeah. word for it, and I can't remember what that is either. That's sort of the catchment area. And then there's like, at what point do all the little rivulets and puddles officially become a river? Or is that up for debate? So, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't argue about what river to do, but we often argue about the source of it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you can see, like, quite clearly. So you've got, you know, you've got... Um, you you see you can look at the river on the map Mm. and see like very obvious when when they start going off in different directions and there's these streams coming into them and we have picked the longest one of these what are they what are they called a tributary yeah a tributary and then that tributary will have lots of little streams coming off them as well so then again it's like the furthest away one that goes up the hill like you know 10 <laughs> 10 centimeters further than the one over there <laughs> uh, so the the pools of d are these amazing little magical puddles that sit up high on the cairngorm plateau and they just bubble up out the ground like a little magical clear glacial pool wow. um, there's no argument about where the d begins and um, that'll be an easy one that'll probably save us a day of arguing <laughs> not wait to get there i've never been i've never been up to the pool of the d i need to go and visit that as well like my background's in geology so i quite like the idea of like sort of rocks and like the water coming up springs and aquifers and stuff like that like oh i like the science and geology and geography of this mission as well it sounds yeah it's it's got everything everything i like you're going to be carrying everything as you ride how much stuff are you taking and, and do you need to travel point to point as well are you yeah so we're totally we're totally self-supported we'll have the media team with us but they will also be self-supported so we're going to try and get public transport to the source um so we'll ride to the source we're not getting we're trying not to, to drive vehicles if we don't have to and we'll carry everything that that we need um with us on the bikes which is coming with an extra challenge for this because we're carrying pack crafts yeah. so normally Normally, we'd have a roll on the front with our sleeping kit and on the back our personal kit and we'd have a frame bag. Um, and all of these are, are supplied the, uh, this year by, by Alp Kit. Um, but this year, because we've got a pack rack in the front, we'll have to carry a rucksack as well. So it's... And we're going to need to, we're going to try and limit resupplies as well. We might have to think a little bit about where we resupply mm-hmm. and how many shops we go into if we're still not... That's still not massively encouraged, you know. So... That's how we're going to do it. Hopefully it will be massively encouraged and we'll like have our stoves and stuff, but we can stop off at every cafe that we pass. <laughs> That'd be so nice. Support the local economy. <laughs> exactly. So tell me about the other partners for Source to See. So Lee's already mentioned Alpkit, who we are mega excited about working with. They've been on our radar for so long and they just do like, so many good things with their foundation and they really look about the sustainability of their equipment and um, and the longevity of it and are super so far like super lovely people to be in communication with and that's always a good sign isn't it and um, we're also working with uh, developing mountain biking Scotland 
which is, um, I mean, Lee's worked with them lots in the past, but it's my first time working with them. And that feels nice to be working alongside them and looking at, you know, what we're riding, where we're riding, how we're telling people about that story and sort of having them on board to be like, yeah, this is a, you know, this is a good thing to be shouting about yeah. in Scotland. And just sort of having an eye on like that that we're being responsible and yeah. that, um, yeah, yeah, that it's, that, that it's a good thing to do. And they're, again, like, so lovely. Um, also, we're working, this is our first year working with Ride with GPS. Oh. So they are, they are our app for pl- or like route planning yeah adventure app and they're out in the they're out in the states and we've just met them like mm-hmm. so we just met them this year or the begin or the end of last year and just love what they're doing with their with their app and the community that they're creating around it yeah and um, and they've all so yeah so that's that feels like a really nice tie-in for source to see and they're so excited about scotland they're so excited about like our stories that we're going to be telling and they've created a really lovely function that means that we can we can embed maps of certain areas with routes on them so you know if there was a you know, a social media page or a website for D-Side, then, you know, we could offer this resource. So once Lee and I leave the area, leave the school, you know, often we just go in and it's like all singing, all dancing for that week. But we find like, where's the longevity of this? Mm. You know, are the the young people sort of benefiting in the long term? So stuff like that will really help us leave that round, um, that um, source to see uh, legacy for, for the school and for the community and yeah. yeah so working with them feels like a nice nice connection cool. and then there's this brown trek i don't know if you've heard of them they're like yeah, i've heard something about them i think they do bikes or something it's the thing that really really appeals about trek over other bike brands that yeah. they were actually looking at the grassroots side of things and yeah. looking at you know who they could get behind and how they can best or support the the sort of wider community. And the fact that it's us is obviously amazing. (laughs) Cool. Okay. Um, Sorry, I've I've taken up a lot of your time, but I've I've really enjoyed it. So thank you very much for that. I really enjoyed it too. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Spindrift Podcast. My guests today were Lee Craigie and Jenny Graham of the Adventure Syndicate. And I don't know about you, but now I am dead keen to plan an adventure. I'll pop all the links and tags up online, so don't forget to visit the Spindrift Podcast website and join in on Instagram at spindrift underscore podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>